Welcome to Singled In, a gathering place for singles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in their 30s and 40s, also known as mid-singles. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Oliver. And today's topic is about excommunication uh, and what it's like being excommunicated as a mid-single in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And today, our guest is our friend Logan. Welcome, Logan. Hey, guys. Hey, Logan. Good to have you. Good to be here. (laughs) Well, first of all, we want to thank you because we know this is kind of a delicate topic. And so we're grateful that you're able to come here and tell us more about it, especially with the with it in your process and in your life, too. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, obviously, I was the one that reached out and suggested it as a topic. So it is delicate. Yeah, I understand that. It can get personal. Yeah, I understand that. But it is good for people to hear about. Yeah, exactly. So before we begin, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, my name's Logan. I grew up in Missouri. I grew up in the church. Um, I love football. I'm a very basic white guy. I mean, I fit all the stereotypes. It's really a problem sometimes. But, you know, I like I like me. We're good with it, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What else? Anything um, you're excited about these days? Yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm a little weird. Uh I don't follow a lot of traditional career paths, and so I get really excited, and I set a lot of goals, and I have a lot of big ambitions, and currently one of them that I'm working on is I am starting my own company with a, a buddy of mine, so that's been on my mind lately, and been pretty motivational, so mm-hmm. I do get hyped about that. I, I can talk for days about that. It's a problem. But, <laughs> yeah. Tell us just briefly what you're hoping to do with your business. Uh, So what I'm planning on doing, you might be surprised to know, but everybody poops. (laughs) And it all stinks. It it does. Well, that has to be taken care of. And everybody knows or thinks about wastewater gets treated at a place. What people like to forget is that it has to be treated while it's transported to the place to be treated. And so what we're hoping to do is we have a proprietary chemical that can help with the odor treatment for sewage in the collection system before it ever makes it to a wastewater treatment facility. And so, yeah, again, really weird kind of career path, not what you grow up dreaming to do ever, (laughs) but here we are. Yeah, no, very useful and love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also a fellow podcaster, is that correct? I am, yeah. I have a podcast. um, It's called More Than Mediocre. It can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. Really, it's a a self-help motivational podcast where I try to highlight that everybody has successes within their life, no matter where in the theoretical ladder they might be. I thought it was an important thing because a lot of times when you listen to podcasts that are of that vein, you're interviewing people who have already succeeded. They are titans of industry or, you know, somebody to look up to. And I really do think there's a disconnect sometimes when you hear those people and you're like, yeah, but that's not me. I, I haven't made it. Like, oh, I can never be like that. Well, guess what? You can. They all started somewhere. So I want to interview the people that are still on the journey, not necessarily have made it. 
I just used air quotes. I understand this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> made it was air quoted. Yeah, made it was <laughs> for our <air> listeners. <laughs> it, it, it deeply impacted Lindsay and I when you did the air quotes. <laughs> I'll um, stop talking with my hands, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. I love it. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And um, again, another important thing to like bring to the world. So look yeah, at you just yeah. contributing right and left. I, I do my best. I stay busy. Yeah. I do stay busy. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Fellow dreamer achiever. Like it. <laughs> I like it. So I guess we should just dive on in, right? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, heavy topic. Might as well do it. Yeah, <laughs> let's brace it. Let's brace it together. It, it almost feels like we should say a prayer first. I know we're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. It's one of those. <laughs> Maybe we should have. Yeah, take I a moment about... of silence to say a prayer, and then we'll... Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I've actually thought about that before. I'm like, should Oliver and I say a prayer before we start? I feel like we need God in this. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't yet, but right. that's a thought. For all our listeners, like, pray for us, please. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Uh, we and, need it. Right. And also, like, speaking of our listeners, so a large majority of our listeners are probably members of the church, uh-huh. but there are some who aren't members. So when we use the word excommunicated or excommunication, that might... That, that's not going to mean anything to them. Mm-hmm. So let's start off by asking, what does it mean when you're excommunicated or you're an excommunicated member? Okay, well, this is a good question. So I know we're going to use the word excommunicated a lot lately, and part of that is upbringing and just having that be part of the vernacular in this situation. Uh, the fun thing about that is that's not actually what is used anymore. That's not what we're technically supposed to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've changed some of that vocabulary within the church. Uh, and it was recently, right? Recently, yeah. So it is now called membership withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Now, I was mentioning earlier when we were talking, uh, just getting ready for this episode, that I don't actually like that vocabulary. Most people do. I'm the weird one. I'm the black sheep. Uh, because I feel like that makes it sound like I personally went to church leadership and asked to have my records within the church removed. And mm-hmm. I, I did not. That's not how I wound up in this situation. How I wound up in this situation is I went to church leadership uh, to repent because I knew that certain decisions I was making in my life and and things that I were doing were not in line with the teachings of the church and that I had a desire to get back to full, you could call it full activity in the sense where I, I did want to attend the temple again. And, you know, we do have standards that we follow or agree to to be able to go to the temple Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was kind of how I got started on this path so the point is there's membership withdrawal which is where you are no longer a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Mm -hmm. they they delete air quote delete your records your records do exist still in a database in the sense that you were part of the church but Nobody really has access to them anymore. They don't show you as a member of the church. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not quite the same. You're not part of a ward unit. Yeah. Like, okay. You can't be assigned like a calling. You can't. There's a lot of like cans that are kind of associated with it. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, there are levels above, or not quite as extreme as that, that we can kind of talk about later. I guess as we go through yeah some of the process. Definitely. But but ultimately. As, as far away as you can get in terms of a consequence within the church would be a membership withdrawal where you're just, you know, you're kind of excused from the church. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 
So. And like you said, you don't like the you don't like the vocabulary term because you haven't withdrawn from the church. You're still very much involved in it. Yeah. But instead of using the word excommunicated, they're just using yeah. withdrawn, basically. I, I think that's just like, you're really going to run into the same problem with both terms. I don't think there is a good term for it. Yeah, because uh, it's not a good thing to happen to it's you. It's not. It's not. It's supposed to be a punishment. And so people don't like punishments these days. It's not friendly sounding necessarily. Yeah. And yeah. again, that's that's understandable. But uh, I think the part to highlight that I like to highlight, because there's really two ways you can arrive at a membership withdrawal. Uh, you can be somebody who is on your way out of the church, which does happen. People do leave the church, and that's that's fine. It's a personal everything with everybody. And yeah. that is one way to have your membership withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Leaving voluntarily. Yeah, leaving voluntarily, requesting to have that done. Uh, but there's other people like that are more in my situation where it's not a I'm leaving the church. It's a I'm actually trying to get better at being in the church. And because of this decisions and choices that have been made uh, it's decided that the best road to get back to full activity and to back to 100% would actually be to go through a period of having your membership with, with revoked mm-hmm. so. interesting so it's almost like you have to like it's like a clean slate yeah. you're starting over yeah you got to yeah. start all over again yeah. start from scratch mm-hmm. gotcha I guess we'll get into this as you talk about your story, but do you feel like the excommunication or membership withdrawal process is a useful one or like an effective one for people? Um, is it archaic? I think it's case by case. Um, this is this is actually interesting because I know a lot of people get uncomfortable uh-huh. with, with who know me. People, yeah. Like my, my family, for example, who, who would think, well, I mean, you got excommunicated. Uh-huh. I mean, I know people who've made way worse decisions than you who are still in the church. They weren't excommunicated or memberships withdrawn. They, their uh-huh. memberships weren't withdrawn. And they're, you know, they're still in the church and they, they make way worse decisions than you. You're way more churchy than they are. Like, that uh-huh. just doesn't seem fair. And um, my thoughts on that is... Mm, this is going to make more sense later if we talk more about the the process. So maybe should yeah, we, let's come back yeah, to let's that. Let's the process yeah. and come back because okay. I, I do have thoughts on that, but I want to kind of get the background on it first. Yeah, yeah. So tell us more about your story, I guess. Okay, so I grew up a very typical, stereotypical church upbringing. You know, my my dad served in bishoprics. My mom was a Relief Society president. As I got older, they were in stake callings. Uh, so I was just I was always involved in the church. Um, I served in like young men's leadership positions. I served, I was an Eagle Scout. I mean, all the fun things. And then mm-hmm. I went to BYU for a semester before I went on my mission because this was back when missionaries would go at 19, not 18. Mm-hmm. So there was like that weird window before. Mm-hmm. And then I went to BYU when I got back from my mission. I had a very good mission. I loved my mission. One of the things that happened while I was gone mm-hmm. is... Uh, my family, who had always been very active, had a hiccup in their own mm-hmm. level of activity within the church. Mm-hmm. And that was hard for me to kind of reconcile when I got back. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I go to this church school where there's all these, ha, 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 you joke about, you know, you'll find somebody to get married right away, especially if you served a mission and all this. And mm-hmm. you know, guess what? I did. Yeah. You know? Um, I did not have that experience there. And so... Same, Logan. Same. Yeah, yeah right? Interesting. <laughs> and 
I, 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 like I said, I mean, I had a hard time kind of personally reconciling that. Not that I had any issues with the church, but I just mental health wise didn't necessarily handle that in the best way. Mm. And I got a little lazy Mm -hmm. myself about just attendance. Yeah. Um, And so through my 20s, my church attendance was just up and down, very rocky the entire time. Not that I had any issues or that I had lost my testimony. I still believed, you know, in in the teachings of the church. I just didn't necessarily always practice them. Mm -hmm. And so through that, and I, I, I did go the military route. Okay. And so while I was in the military, you're, survi- you're surrounded by essentially a, a fraternity. I mean, it's a frat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Now, don't <laughs> get me wrong. It's not me bashing the military. I loved, I loved my time in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I made very good friends uh, that I look up to during that. They're very great people. But for the most part, I was surrounded by people who weren't members of the church, who liked to drink, who liked to party on the weekend and have a good time and go mm-hmm. out and make all these decisions that we you know, growing up a member of the church, you wouldn't necessarily encourage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hello, I like peer pressure. I mean, we're, <laughs> we are tribally driven, you know, as a species, you know, we like to have our community. And so I followed along with my community at the time. Yeah. Later, as I started to try to get back into the church, I did work with, uh, some church leadership mm-hmm. and it was decided that I should have what's called a disciplinary council. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, could we rewind a little bit? Yeah. What made you decide to like get back into church more fully or whatever? Mm. Uh, guilt? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, again, I never lost the testimony. I, okay. I, I knew, to me, I'm like, hey, look, the, I believe the church is true. I mm-hmm. believe that's where I should be going. Yeah. And so I just, I had stopped. Okay. And, and kind of needed to check I checked myself okay that's cool yeah so as always um girls were involved yeah Mm. you know and so all of a sudden you're making decisions like I gotta impress this girl I gotta do something you know yeah I don't want to be single forever and so yeah um I did decide that that also helped Uh uh-huh you know to flirt to convert is a thing (laughs) (laughs) oh did you bring some over (laughs) No, I mean, I meant the other way around. Like, um, oh, oh. it might not have been like flirting to convert, but it might have been flirt to active status, right? Like, okay. flirt to activity. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, I see. With your coming yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, there, so I might have come back because of uh, a girl or two. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And so. Um, it helps. It does. It does help. <laughs> Weird. So, Logan, before you go any further. So you served a mission, you went to BYU, and yeah. then you decided to join the military. Yes. How long were you in the military for? Uh, six years. Six years. Oh, nice. And then, so that was a completely different atmosphere from what you grew up, that you grew up into. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. I think that also tied into why I kind of strayed so far, mm-hmm. you could say, is because mm-hmm. here I am in this different atmosphere, and I almost like wanted to prove a point, mm-hmm. mm. where it's like, hey, I'm not this clean cut blonde comb over oh you're getting a lot you know, of like attention churchy boy like uh-huh. so all of a sudden it was like no i kind of really did push into like give me the tattoos give me yeah. the, this party like no i can i can out party you like i couldn't but yeah <laughs> i would i would kind of try yeah but that was that was part of it it was you know i did it was such a 
a varied experience in terms of atmosphere that, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't like being lumped into that box of, mm-hmm. oh, well, he's this goody two-shoes. Yeah, that probably involved, like, a lot of loneliness, mm-hmm. rejection, things yeah. like that. I like what you said about the peer pressure. Like, mm-hmm. we are, like, evolutionarily programmed to fit in with a group, like, for survival. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. ancestors would have, like, needed to be social and fit in so that they could have, like, food, warmth, all the things, because you couldn't, like, survive on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. So, six years into the military, Mm -hmm. and then was it after you left the military that you decided you wanted to get back to church, or was it during that time in the military? There's a little bit of a crossover there towards the end, but, yeah, I mean, it was right around the end of my military experience, so. Gotcha. Cool. And some friends helped you yeah, to I, get back. I, I did. I had, I, I had a lot of very good friends. I mean, I, I had started going to a YSA ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in Fresno, California at the time. Okay. And so I'd started going to a YSA ward. I had some friends that I was constantly hanging out with that were very good uh, influences on me. Uh, and I was at the time. I mean, there was mutual still. And I was on mutual. And mm-hmm. I was dating somebody that was a member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that those kind of influenced me like stepping it up a little more okay yeah that kind of came to a head for you yeah yeah and for those of you who don't know mutual is a dating application for mostly members of the church yeah it's lds tender so you're attending the ysa with your friends and you decide that you want to get kind of reactivated again Mm -hmm. and then you talk to some church leaders and they say okay let's do this disciplinary council council okay yeah and so uh, the process on that is uh, I did meet with the stake president, uh, who's super nice. I mean, you got to remember, I'm not from Fresno. I don't know any of these people. Mm. So that was kind of a weird situation with it, too. Uh, so he was very nice. And then we had the, the council itself, which when you have the council, it's going to be the stake president and the high council, which is, you know, 12 local congregational leaders, essentially, uh, that meet in a room. <laughs> with you and this is where it gets very interesting it's it's a lot like a court of law in a way it sounds Um, very intimidating yeah it does i was very intimidated going into this this is why i want to talk about this is because it sounds intimidating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not uh it just sounds it Mm -hmm. so i met with the stake president and this high council and as i was doing that they uh, they actually had the stake president was who presented my story and my or my case, I guess you could say, hmm. about why I was there and and what had led up to that. Uh, there was, they drew lots. This is where it gets really interesting. Okay, like people don't realize this happens. I think because uh, there's twelve members of the high council. Mm-hmm. At random, six of them are expected to represent the best interests of the church. Mm-hmm. Six of them are expected to represent the best the best interests of the member, a.k.a. in this case, me. Oh, so, and they don't know beforehand no. that's where the drawing of the lots right. come in. And so oh. they are picking whose, whose interests are they basically representing. Hmm. And so that, that was a really kind of an interesting side of it that I, I didn't know about beforehand. Yeah. Um, that and you didn't get to plead your own case. Someone else was pleading your case yeah. for you. Yeah. And like I said, again, these are all strangers. Uh, Do you think that was better 
Yes. Or do you think? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So it would have been more awkward if they <laughs> yeah. all knew you. Oh yeah. 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 And I think I'd had that problem in the past too, where it was harder for me to necessarily go through the repentance process with people that I didn't know because I don't. You don't want to air your dirty laundry to somebody that you grew up next to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, somebody who could talk about it with your mom or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Not that they're going to, but right. it, it is. There is a, a wall there that you have to get over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, There's too to, close of a connection. Yeah. Um, so it definitely helped them all being uh, strangers. So they they draw the lots. They they're assigned who's who's representing who. And um, my case was presented. And then there's a nice Q and A session where basically they're asking me they're they're looking for where I'm at mm-hmm. would be the best way to put it. You know, uh, there there is some background where they're kind of gonna get a they're gonna try to get an idea of what sins were committed, how often, or, or in what, how often sounds bad. It's not like they're prying too much because mm-hmm. it could sound like they're prying. They're not prying. They are, they're literally looking to find out, you know, what sins were committed and how repentant are you feeling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and were others affected. So there's that. And then at the end of kind of that, uh, it, it's explained to you what could happen next and, mm-hmm. and this is where I was saying we were going to circle back around it'll make more sense mm-hmm. here basically there there are decisions that have to be made as to what the level of consequence is going to be mm-hmm. with the ultimate being at the time as it was known excommunication yeah um, but there's also there's there's other levels so there's probation mm-hmm. so there's there's formal and informal probation an informal probation would essentially be like your bishop saying, hey, for six weeks don't take the sacrament and then you're good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A formal probation would be essentially the same thing, but formal. Um, <laughs> there's really, like, to the best of that was ever described to me, there wasn't much of a difference except for, you know, one could essentially be like in the hallway, the bishop saying, okay, you're good now. And the other would be more like, a, hey, no, come meet with me. So there was that, and that was like kind of the like the lightest slap on the hand possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's disfellowship, and disfellowship is a lot like excommunication or membership withdrawal in the sense that some of the things that you're restricted from doing are similar. Mm-hmm. So you're not allowed to have a calling mm-hmm. uh, or to serve in a, any capacity of a calling or assignment in the church at that time that you're disfellowshipped. Uh, you're not supposed to give any talks. You shouldn't be teaching any lessons. Uh, you're not supposed to pray for the congregation. That was an interesting one. Oh. Hmm. So no public prayers yeah, so at no, church? Yeah, so no public prayers at, at church. I mean, obviously okay. you can still pray. I mean, mm-hmm. You're encouraged to pray. Yeah. Like always, right? Yeah. You know, you could pray for your family. Like, you could pray, like, you know, bless the food at dinner time. Uh-huh. Like, that's all fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, just in, in general, the congregation was like, a, no, not really. Yeah. Uh, so, so, random question. If you're at, like, an FHE activity and someone says, oh, we need someone to say the opening prayer, Logan, could you do that? Yeah. What do you do in that situation? Uh... It's awkward, but you just say no. You say pass. Yeah, pass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and obviously they don't know. Like They're not yeah, trying to call yeah. you out. Yeah, it's, but the like, thing. it's not like you, you parade around with a sign. Yeah. You know, I don't have a scarlet letter on my chest or anything. Like I'm. Just, yeah, yeah. You just kind of like you're, you personally know this, and you're just like, I'm sorry. No, not tonight. Yeah. You know, and you just let it happen yeah. and move on. 
Hmm. So that would scare me from going to any activities then, because I'd yeah. feel like I'd be worried that I get called on to like, yeah. hey, can you say the opening prayer, the closing prayer? So I wonder if it's better to just always ask for volunteers, like if you're leading a class or whatever. It, it does take some of that pressure off. Yeah. But then you get that. What about that class where nobody volunteers and that lovely, awkward time? Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess you have it. There's pros and cons to both. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um. So, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of these restrictions. You obviously don't take the sacrament, but you're still a member of the church, you know, mm-hmm. and then you, you're still expected to regularly meet with your church leadership and evaluate how you're doing along the repentance process. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after a period of time when leadership feels it's appropriate, then you'd be reinstated to full activity. Mm-hmm. Excommunication is a lot like that with a step further where your membership is actually again removed mm-hmm. but a lot of that same those same restrictions apply to me in the sense that I'm not I'm not going to have a calling um, I'm not supposed to pray mm-hmm. for the congregation uh, I'm not supposed to give a talk uh, I know that like the first time that any of you guys saw me I technically did get up and bear my testimony and testimony meeting but I really wasn't supposed to oh you know, that's and and if you if you remember which again it was months ago so you probably don't I did lead with, hey, I know I'm really not supposed to be up here, but I felt like I had to be this time, you know. So that's why I said that. I really wasn't supposed to. Hmm. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, with our bishop, I mean, we kind of laughed about that later. You know, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're, you're, it's okay. I think you'll be fine that one time. So. Uh, <laughs> let it slide. Yeah, we'll let it slide, right? Just this once. Yeah, just <laughs> careful, though. We're watching. You know, no, no. It, it was all, it was right. all good. But, but the next time you get in the scarlet letter. Yeah, I'll get that, I'll get that nice big... Big A on my chest. So. <laughs> but yeah, in the disciplinary council, going back to, to where we were going, they, they explained those levels to me. Uh-huh. So then, informal, formal, disciplinary, no, sorry, yeah. probation, no. So informal and formal probation, mm-hmm. disfellowship, excommunication. Gotcha. Okay. Now, again, I'm using the vocabulary of several years ago. It mm-hmm. has uh-huh. changed, but that's kind of, again, when, when I was excommunicated, that's what it was called. So I still am more comfortable calling it that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you know if they still use the term disfellowship or that? I'm unclear on. Yeah, I heard somewhere so, that they got rid of like all those words altogether, and so I wonder like what do they say now instead of disfellowship? That is a excellent question. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we yeah. can look into that later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they explained that those are kind of the decision that's going to be happening, and then they asked me what I thought was appropriate for mm. my situation, oh. and I said I wouldn't be surprised if excommunication was the outcome mm-hmm. but I would prefer disfellowship mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. obviously who wouldn't right yeah <laughs> you know it's like I wasn't again it, this goes back to what my mindset was at the time is I wasn't there to leave the church mm-hmm. I was there to be more into the church so right. obviously I don't want to actually leave the church in yeah. the process yeah. of yeah. getting back in and then I was dismissed. Sounds terrible. Or well, was not dismissed. You were excused? I was excused for a period, <laughs> yeah. like into a, a separate chamber, right? <laughs> or a room that was off of the high council room while they discussed mm. what should be done, while they yeah. prayed about it and, and came to a decision. Mm-hmm. And I was encouraged to pray at the, as, along with them while I was on my own to, to, you know, to pray and to kind of, in my way, commune uh, with God to... to find peace, feel sure. out, all the, those good things. Yeah. yeah. 
So they put you in a separate room, yeah. and the 12 are in their own room, yeah. the six that are with you and the six that are, I don't want to say against you, but the ones that were... But it, it, no, it, it, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, yeah. The six for and six against. Yeah, so. and it's up to them to decide whether or not, or up to them to decide what they're going to do with you, basically. Yeah. Are we going to disfellowship him, or are we going to excommunicate him, or are yeah. we just going to put him on probation? Yes. So how long were you in... How long did that take? Like, how long were you by yourself in that room before they called you in? Oh, it felt like forever. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure. It probably was only like five minutes. Oh, but really? It, <laughs> but it did feel like a long time. Uh, it might have been longer. I, I really don't remember. Interesting. Uh, I just remember how it felt. Mm. So, I will say, I did feel at peace. I mean, yeah, it took a while, but like, I, I didn't feel bad. Mm. Okay. In the, in the, while I was in that little room. Yeah. Um. Is it safe to say you were okay with what their decision was going to be? Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, that whole process, again, you, you're getting asked questions about mistakes that you've made mm-hmm. in life that you're probably not super comfortable with talking about or don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. It's hard to self-examine. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like this should be a very uncomfortable and negative experience, but it really wasn't. Yeah. I understand that different people have different experiences. My experience was not a bad one throughout this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, you have to do self-reflection. You have to admit some ugly things. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I felt at ease throughout the process. Yeah. They were gentle and friendly about it yeah. as they could be. Yeah. So going back into the room, mm-hmm. then they, they, they bring you back in, they're going to tell you. And this is one of the things that really... Here's, here's why I say disciplinary counsel shouldn't be taboo, why we should talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a dry eye in the room mm-hmm. when I walked back in. Every single one of these these brethren had, had clearly uh, been feeling some things. Wow. And uh, they they sat me down and they, they explained, you know, Brother Decker, we, we, we're sorry to do this, but we do feel that in, in your best interest. And I, like, I want to point that out. They said in your best interest mm-hmm. at this time we feel that you should be excommunicated. Um, we want to let you know that this is something out of love and that every single one of us in here, we love you. And if it's okay, we'd, we'd like to, we'd like to all give you a hug, Mm. which I know is like a little weird, but, uh, and again, I don't know any of these men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I walked around the room and every single one of these men with tears in their eyes, hugged me, told them, told me they loved me told me they cared about me and that they wanted the best for me and that I needed anything to let them know. Uh, they were very supportive. And at, at the end of all of that, then again, the kind of, we went a little more over like some of the details of what that meant. The state president told me, I'll write you a letter that kind of was a little more in-depth and uh, that the standard practice is for there to be about a year since the last... Uh, time that the sin was committed Mm -hmm. and then you would be eligible i guess eligible to be re-baptized and to rejoin the church with state Mm. leadership approval and with why i say state that's not actually accurate with first presidency approval it goes all the way up to the top Mm. that one Mm. so that was kind of how that all played out and again like i said i want to highlight it was very clear that all of this was done in love Mm -hmm. And again, I understand there's there's one-offs. There are there are cases where that's not the case. I'm not gonna say everything's perfect, 
but in my case, I mean, it was very much a loving environment. Hmm. So. Cool. Wow. Well, thank you for like <laughs> being so open about this. Yeah. And these, these are, I'm learning some things because like you said, we don't talk about this. And so like you explained this whole process to me, I'm learning a lot about this, yeah. about this whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell us more like what's happened since then, I guess. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So they tell you you're excommunicated and yeah. then they said after about a year, you yeah. can, you can, you can like go back to be right. So anyway, talk, talk, talk to us about what happened after that. So this is where it really lands on the shoulders of the member, mm-hmm. a.k.a. I'm still an idiot that wound <laughs> up in that situation. I like to call myself a recovering dum-dum. Um, I'm still a recovering dum-dum. So it was on me. That, that, that was part of what I did notice about this whole thing is, is because I'm not a member, member of the church, at least personally, I felt like at that point my future within the church was now not on anybody else's shoulders mm-hmm. now of course in the letter that that stake president wrote me it talks about him being there you know willing to talk at any time i needed and to continue to meet with my the bishop of that of that area and and to work with them so it's not really what that is but mm-hmm. it's how it felt a little bit i did feel i i very quickly started self-isolating myself, which was a mistake. That wasn't what I should have done. Yeah. But I very quickly did kind of fall into that trap. That is a pitfall. Oh, because you were, like, going to church before, and then all of a sudden church became, like, this awkward place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I can't even, I wasn't even, I'm not even allowed to pay tithing. Like, that's yeah. really, that was a weird one to me. I'd gotten back into the habit of, of this. Oh, uh, okay. I was, I was not proud of myself in the sense I was like bragging about it, but I was proud of myself internally where it's like, I yeah. know I'm doing the things, right. you know, like there's things and I'm doing them. Yeah. yeah. I'm, You're checking, doing, I'm checking the list. You're and, doing all the right things. And yeah. all of a sudden, shoot, the things were taken off the list. So that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for um, sure. but on top of that, you know, I, I, I had tattoos, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now I'm not allowed to take the sacrament, so I'm always having to pass the tray. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even a bit in there about not sustaining. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So it's like very visible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's tricky. It, it is. It is. And there's some interesting things working with the bishop in in our ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he I've shown him the letter. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. we he's like he's funny. He's super funny. He's like gone through the handbook and he's trying to find where, like, where does it actually like say that's a thing, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like wait, surely he's learning, you know. You know surely he must be joking. He's a new bishop. He's yeah. a new bishop. So. <laughs> so that's kind of it's been funny. It's it's been fun with with that. Interesting. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And so, I'm sure things have changed since then too. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. the other thing. Like the policies so, and procedures. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, they're constantly being updated. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask something kind of random? Sure. I've heard people talk before about like being in the church or out of the church and like the difference with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Like that's something we get when we're baptized. Mm-hmm. So the thought is like when you're excommunicated or whatnot, you lose the Holy Ghost. Is that a thing or has that been something that's impacted you at all? Yeah, no, it has yeah. been. I've actually had people get on me about this this year. Really, just even yeah. recently, where I've um, I've had a lot of major life decisions that I've made uh-huh. in the last several years, really. Yeah. And I, I, I will find myself 
saying things like, oh, yeah, everybody tells you to pray about it, but, you know, I don't actually have the gift of the Holy Ghost, so, like, what does it matter? It, it matters. You still pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, the gift of the Holy Ghost is an important, it's a gift. It's a, uh-huh. it's a beautiful thing that, that you have as a, a baptized and confirmed member of the church. Uh-huh. But that doesn't mean the Holy Ghost goes away if you're not a yeah. member of the church. It yeah. just, it, it, it just looks a little different. Yeah. But realistically not that different either. The Holy Ghost testifies of truth. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father loves you regardless of your baptismal status. Yeah. You know, we are all, every single one of us, no matter who, uh-huh. no matter if you were lucky enough to have ever heard of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or not, uh-huh. we're all his children. Yeah. And anybody who turns to him in prayer, he's going to listen to, he's going to love, he's going to try to answer and help. Mm-hmm. And one of his tools for helping somebody is the spirit. Yeah, and it's so, his spirit. It's yeah. his spirit. And, and I, I really do believe that, yes, there is a difference. Yeah. I still have access to the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. still have access to that comfort. Yeah. It's just, it's just, a, it's not like this constant companion type thing we talk about. Yeah. But as long as I am actively striving uh-huh. to have the spirit in my life in uh-huh. some capacity, Seeking it. it can be there. Yeah. Yeah. And that totally makes so. sense because when you're a child and before you get baptized, uh-huh. you get the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I would, yeah, I totally agree with you that even though you are excommunicated, you still have access to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah, you talk about like people who are learning about the church and mm-hmm. they are seeking that confirmation that the church is true or what they need to do from the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So that's available to them. Yeah. I also just, I really believe that God is working through other churches. And, oh, 100%. Yeah. My yeah. great uncle was not a member of the church. Yeah. And there is not a better example of a more Christ like human that's yeah. ever lived than I know of. I mean, he sure. was amazing and yeah. he loved everybody. He, he, went out of his way at all times to help those in need. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was a very active member of his church that mm-hmm. he, he went to. And, yeah. And, and he would fellowship for them and do all these things. And yeah. uh, when he passed away and I was at his funeral, it was very apparent mm-hmm. the, the love that others had felt mm-hmm. for years mm-hmm. from this man. Yeah. You know, and so he he's a great example. One of the, again, mm-hmm. one of the best examples I know of being a Christ-like servant. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a member of the church. That doesn't have anything to do with being a Christ-like yeah. servant. Yeah. Yeah. But the yeah. Holy Ghost yeah. was there. The Holy Ghost was there. He, yeah. He absolutely worked with, you know, through the Spirit, had the Holy Ghost with him. Yeah. And so. Yeah. yeah. I also know people that mm-hmm. sound similar to your uncle. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about what's been happening since. Okay, yeah. More so the, fun, the fun side of it, yeah. the dating side. So, of it, you want to go into that? Oh well, yeah, no, let's no, do no. it. Before we get there, <laughs> let's talk about how because this all happened when you're in California. Yeah, and now. Yeah. So then I went to well. So there's been between stops since mm-hmm. the, here and there. So I've lived in Utah, Missouri since mm-hmm. then. Okay. Uh, Utah was where I really kind of fell back off the map. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> I am such a nice person <laughs> that I will judge myself for you. You yeah. don't need to do anything. I got it. Mm-hmm. I, I can handle that. And so, yeah, in Utah, I, really, I never, really never went to church. I tried mm-hmm. for like a month or two when I first got there, and then I just, blah. Yeah. And so there were a couple of years of just being kind of inactive again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I moved back to Missouri, and then there's that whole, that's, that was a whole other animal where 
now if I go to church, I'd absolutely know anybody there. Mm. And now I'm embarrassed. Yeah. You know? Because they knew. Because they know who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the last time I'd lived in Missouri, I mean, shoot, I used to, for a while in the young single adult ward or branch, the young single adult branch that was there, I had served as the elders born president right before I left. Like that was like one of the last things there. Mm-hmm. So interesting. In my mind, I'm like, uh, what a difference, you know? Yeah. yeah. And maybe I don't necessarily want people to see that. Um, yeah. Also, the problem with the YSA branch in Missouri when you're like upper late twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody else is. Yeah. They're. <laughs> 18 and so I tried to I would go to some activities here and there because I did have some friends that still went that were mid mid 20s but everybody else running around were just children yeah it's a younger crowd I just didn't want to be around children like I'm I'm okay you know and then I came out here Mm -hmm. in January of this year so you came to Vegas and Mm -hmm. how did you find the mid singles award okay one of my goals with moving to Vegas uh, my buddy that got me to move out here to, to work on a project with mm-hmm. him is a member of the church, has also had some rocky past with activity in the church. Mm-hmm. And he he made a case to me about, look, you're coming to Sin City. And there's a lot of members in Sin City. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those members have stepped outside of the church mm-hmm. for a period of time and come back. And so it's a lot less judgmental than some other areas of the country mm-hmm. because people just, hey, we get it. Mm-hmm. You're not perfect. Me neither. Come on in. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that was how he sold me on going to church in Las Vegas area. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so when coming here, I did set the goal, I'm going to get back into the church and, and do this right. Um, I called the bishop of the family ward that I should be in. Mm -hmm. And I told him who I was, what my story was, where I was coming from, when I was showing up, and okay, cool, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I started going to that ward. Well, a couple problems. I'm not a morning person. (laughs) It's an 8 a.m. family ward. (laughs) Awful. (laughs) Yep. I don't miss that. Oh, no, no, it was no fun. Um, There's kids everywhere, which I haven't gone to church with kids in forever. And... Old people love to ask you where your wife or kids are. <laughs> uh, I don't have any of those, so mm-hmm. that's no fun. <laughs> and uh, um, on top of that, I knew again. I knew I needed to start meeting with the bishop if I was going to do this right and start working on on getting back to where I could be baptized again. And the guy would leave me on red. The bishop of the, the family. The bishop of the family ward. <laughs> he wouldn't answer me. Oh, <laughs> like, no. Like, I, I'd see him in church. I'd shake his hand. He'd be like, good to see you. Hey, you know, we need to set up an appointment. Yes, we do. Okay, great. Well, you know, we'll set that up. And I'd, like, message him. And literally, I could show you the text messages where it says red. <laughs> oh, no. With the dates. And I'm like, uh, he never answered. Wow. Um, so how long did you attend that family ward? A couple months. And then I went back to, like, well, what's the point? You know, oh, it's, the cycle happens. And, yeah. and really, yeah. you know, I never felt like I, I, I fit in. That, that, that's really a big part of it. Is like, on mm-hmm. all these places, whether it was me doing it to me or external, like, I just I hadn't found a spot I felt I fit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I looked up, and I'm, like, messing around on my phone, and I found that there is a mid-singles ward. Because I didn't feel right about going to a young singles ward. Because I'm 31. Yeah. So I know I'm aged out. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, the breakoff point. Yeah. Yeah. And... 
I know that there's some gray right there where you mm-hmm. still get 31 year olds to go to those wards. Um, I thought it was fun. Your your Bishop Cooper interview, the, the YSA without borders, was hilarious. <laughs> he called them out. <laughs> it's great. so true, though. Um, Someone had to say it. Yeah, somebody had to say it. But the problem is, I'm not technically a member because I'm excommunicated. And so yeah. to me, I'm like, well, I definitely, I feel like I shouldn't. Okay. You know, because of my situation. Oh. Yeah. Like I felt like okay, now I'm now I'm really crossing lines there. Yeah. Because yeah. again, what's the point? Yeah. Um and so I'm sitting in this this family ward and I'm like, Whoa, there's a mid singles, I'll go check that out. And I don't think I've been as depressed as I was that night in a long time. <laughs> so I go to the singles the mid singles and I'm sitting in the back corner, the back uh yeah, back left corner and I don't remember who talked I, I remember a very I remember very few things what I remember is it was awkward like everything <laughs> the air felt heavy stale desperate terrible I just I was <laughs> I'm back there judging the crap out of the ward just mm-hmm. so bad um, and well, I won't call anybody out. But do you remember if it was fast and testimony meeting? It wasn't was it? a fast and testimony. Meeting. Okay, because it, it could have been a lot worse. It, yeah, I guess it could have been a lot worse. Well, you say that. We'll get. We'll come back to the fast and testimony. <laughs> yes. Because my second Sunday was a fast and testimony. Yes, because this yeah. was your first. This, this was, was your first, first visit. Yeah. My first experience with it. And I just remember not liking it. Yeah. Um, it was awkward. It you was felt... very awkward. I again judged several people very unfairly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on my phone texting one of my best friends from back home who knows my old story, obviously. And we're making the joke about, oh, we're recovering dum-dum. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just find a ward of recovering dum-dums to go to instead of this awkward whatever this is? <laughs> and I, in this text message, was specifically calling out an individual, which this is why I'm not going to say what I was calling him out for, because I know who it is now. <laughs> and they're super nice. Yeah. I like them. <laughs> At the time, I didn't know who they were. <laughs> Never met them, right? I was just questioning some choices he had made that day <laughs> and, and i do this to my friend who's just like give him a chance he might be the nicest guy you've ever met like why are you judging this poor guy unfairly and i'm like no i know all i need to know by blah, 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 blah. and he he goes listen logan if you hadn't been an idiot through your 20s and gotten excommunicated maybe you would have gotten married and wouldn't be sitting there like an idiot judging people unfairly Mm. maybe show a little compassion before you go judging people because they could judge you right back and i'm like (laughs) well insert knife and twist like that hurt you didn't have to be honest like like, (laughs) a cold splash of reality yeah yeah it was it was very and but that's how you know he's a good friend yeah he called me he called me on my stuff Mm -hmm. and it needed to be done he was right Mm -hmm. and i knew he was right the second he said it so i wasn't mad at him i was like okay i'm sorry Um, so fortunately you came back a second time I came back a second time this is why I call it the second chance word I didn't come back immediately it took me a while (laughs) because even though he said that I still had no interest in being there so I dipped out right after first hour somebody I don't remember who who was very friendly tried to get me to steer me into the bishop's office like they tried so hard (laughs) to friendship and I was just not having it I ducked and ran and went and moped and wallered the rest of the day um, so then Memorial Day weekend, I had some, again, life decisions that I was kind of wrestling with. And I talked to my mission president 
for the first time in a long time. Mm. And I talked about the church and me wanting to go back to church. And Did you tell him that you were excommunicated he, at this he, point? He knew. He knew at that point, yeah. I felt very strongly at, after that weekend, I need to actually make an effort. And it hasn't worked in the family ward. And you know what? I might not like the mid-singles. I need to give them another chance. And that next Sunday I went, it was Fast and Testimony Sunday. Okay. <laughs> and again, I go in, I'm texting the same friend. I'm back. I'm here again. <laughs> Give him play-by-plays. I know. Oh, yeah. Live tweets. He's getting the live stream of this. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm back. I'm here again. I, I prayed this morning that I would feel the spirit because I just don't feel like I felt it in a long time. Mm. And um, I also prayed that I would not judge people harshly because I know I can do that very easily. And that's when they announced it was going to be Fast and Testimony. I'd forgotten. That was the other thing. I'd forgotten it was going to be Fast and Testimony. Mm. The second they said that and I realized, oh my gosh, it's first Sunday. I'm thinking in my mind, this is going to be the island of misfit toys marching across the stage. This is going to be awful. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Buckle up, right? And Tyler gets up and bears a beautiful testimony. Yeah about repentance and about uh, forgiving yourself and coming back to church and doing those things. And then a girl that wasn't supposed to be in the ward that was like from a YSA ward but had missed her sacrament meeting, she gets up and she talks about the difference in crossing the Jordan River where the Lord parted the river mm-hmm. and the difference between, um, oh crap, I'm going to forget the name of the river crossing the uh the red sea no the pioneers susquehanna no no the pioneers with the river and the the, the mississippi the, or missouri the, oh, the, sweetwater. the sweetwater sweetwater yeah, <laughs> crossing the sweetwater river and how you know those saints were given this the, you had this the saints that were given the strength to to help get all the saints across the sweet water and, oh, yeah. and how it was it, like those young adult boys mm-hmm. it was super cold yeah and super cold and yeah. harsh and terrible and they all died, they all died from complications yeah. eventually and and she talked about the difference between how life sometimes, you know, when the Lord answers prayers or does things, sometimes it's like crossing the Jordan, sometimes it's like crossing the Sweetwater. And, and hmm. uh, Julia got up. I mean, just all these people got up. And what kept being very apparent is they were all so on topic with me that day. Hmm. And every single one of these people that got up who did not know me could have been talking straight to me. Like, they'd known me for years, and it was just, like I said, I prayed that morning that I'd feel the Spirit, and I don't really recognize answers to very many of my prayers, but that day, I recognized an answer to a prayer, and that's why I got up. I mean, like, I was like, I, I'm like, I gotta say something, right? Mm-hmm. Shocker, I like to talk. So, <laughs> I get up, and I was like, look, I'm not supposed to be up here, but I have to let you know, I prayed for this, I got this today, all of you all of you had to have been inspired to say any of that Mm -hmm. and thank you like i mean that's like all i could say at that point and then immediately okay i go into the bishop meeting right after sacrament i go to second hour and i haven't missed since oh so um but that was kind of how i wound up back because that's why i call it the second chance word Mm -hmm. i had to give it a second chance Mm -hmm. also nobody there plans on being there so everybody has to. It's it's everybody's second chance to be there at all. Yeah. So, yep. 
I had my own experience where I had to give it a second chance. And yeah. You know, I love it now, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I've got great friends now that I, I never planned on having. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I have. So. Yeah. Uh, love it. And how fortunate that the people who got up and bore their testimonies really spoke to you. Well, like you said, it was like an answer to your prayer. Yeah. Love that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about dating? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's hard. The way I've always described it is if I try to date a member of the church uh-huh. who is of the caliber I would want to date mm-hmm. in terms of like moral fiber and fortitude <laughs> and decision making, um, I'm not LDS enough. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where it's been really weird for the last several years is I feel like I have, I'm not, not LDS enough to date members of the church. Mm-hmm. But then when I go try to date outside of the church, which I've made that attempt too, I still look for some of the same characteristics yeah. in terms of, I guess, just general morals. Uh-huh. Um, then I wind up being too LDS. Interesting. Yeah, because then that winds up being a lot of uh, just general Christian, yeah, very faithful uh-huh. women, but they're not interested in dating a member of the church. The, the, they're not interested in dating a Mormon. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's weird. Yeah. yeah. And so... Yeah, that's that's been a big struggle that I've had for several years is is finding where I fit. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the people that I meet that have more similar life experiences to me are mm-hmm. they're they're on their way out of the church mm-hmm. a lot of the time. They're not on their way back in. Yeah. So I've I've been the odd man out sometimes. Have you found so. others in similar situations, guys or girls? Uh, yeah. 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 Um. You know, people that were raised in the church but aren't really in it now. You know, that was kind of where I was over the years. Because, uh-huh. again, I was still pretty inactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about those, like, trying to come back sort of thing? I haven't found any of those. Interesting. I haven't found as many of those. So. Okay. So, let's say you go on a date with uh, a member of the church. Yeah. Do you talk about your excommunication, like, on the first date? Uh, so, I it's varied. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to play around with that. Uh, you get back to me because some people wouldn't like it when they found out later. Yeah, I mean that is yeah. kind of a big truth. Bomb. Yeah, yeah, so you have to be a little upfront about it. You don't want to just hook them and then oh surprise. You know? Yeah, because a lot of times I did have this happen several times, and it almost it was weird. It was like almost a verbatim conversation uh, where they didn't know necessarily upfront. See, this is the advantage. Now, now we're going to get into the advantage of tattoos. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not that this is not me saying you should go get them. That's not what I mean. It's uh, kind of a warning signal. I could at least be like, well, I can highlight, hey, I I have tattoos, mm-hmm. so you can draw some inferences based off of that about how <laughs> active has this guy been his whole life. Yeah. You know? Uh, I have not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I do not fit the nice, like, I'm in Laurel's class making a checklist of my dream husband someday right i don't fit i don't fit <laughs> the check marks i'm not that yeah. right so that actually has helped some but i think we have a bad habit now again i do the same thing so i'm not like just casting blame pointing my finger and saying i'm without blame here mm-hmm. no no no, no. Uh, we have a bad habit of forgetting that the atonement applies to everybody mm-hmm. not just ourselves ourselves interesting right I also understand you do have to have limits with what you're willing to accept in a potential partner that you date, right? 
get to know somebody, find out if you have things in common, find out if you have similar goals, ambitions, dreams, and everything, and, mm-hmm. and, and base your decisions off of that. Like, mm-hmm. there needs to be that common interest yeah. and knowledge that this person is going in the same direction as me. Yeah. Life is full of seasons. People have different seasons in their lives of mm-hmm. where they're going to be at. Some seasons, even with Temple Recommend holding members, you're going to have seasons where they are very into it and connected with their faith, connected with their testimony, but there's also going to be times where they're just going through the motions and trying to make it, Mm -hmm. you know. So really, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. I keep thinking about your comment where you said you go on dates with members and there are two LDS, and then when you go on dates with non-members, you're the person who's two LDS. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Lindsay and I talked about uh, a couple weeks ago about what it's like dating inside of the church and outside of the church mm-hmm. and that's 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 a, a common that's yeah. a commonality right there yeah it's for just, sure it's a hard one. yeah religion in any conversation especially in the dating world is mm-hmm. it's a touchy topic i feel like even that's tricky i mean you just can't predict the future and so no. i'll have friends who are married where their spouse is like on their way out of the church or they're on their way out of the church yeah. and that's not something they like anticipated when they got married so that's something i've thought about too with dating like I'm dating someone who's not a member of the church and doesn't or have plans to be and I think that's just like figuring out okay what do I need in the relationship what do I need in my own life um how can this person support me despite those differences I mean that that brings up some good points then too because I mean like I think I'm basing a lot of like uh in the, the way I'm phrasing this like your relationship is all based on your spirituality that's not true yeah you know you're right there are a lot of needs in a relationship so Mm -hmm. you know some people some people are fine handling Mm -hmm. their spirituality and their faith as a very personal thing that's just theirs and and yeah even it is that's true Uh so yeah no that that's a good point though like yeah not that it's easy like we've come a long way in terms of like how we work together on that Mm -hmm. and there's still a lot of unknowns a lot of questions so (laughs) i mean but it's a path that can be walked yeah it's a path that can be walked so yeah. yeah For sure. This conversation has been super enlightening for me just because as a gay member of the church, this is potentially a path that I could be going down. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so listening to your experience and how like the the excommunication process works, it's, it definitely has opened my eyes and my mind of what could potentially happen to, I don't know, someone like me who is a gay member of the church, who maybe decides to leave to find love. Right. So this is, like you said, like, situations are different. For It's different for different people. And so, like, the whole time you were talking, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, like, this what this is, I don't know if this is going to be the same for my situation or for mm-hmm. another right. person's situation. Part of this experience for me has really highlighted mercy. Mm. Mm-hmm. I really do think that we will be surprised. Mm-hmm. by how everybody is rewarded mm-hmm. um, and where justice falls and what the afterlife is going to look like for all of us because we are all loved. Um, I know that much, mm-hmm. you know, that God mm-hmm. loves every single one of us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with that, I think you're fine. <laughs> so <laughs> I think God loves you. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah. That's that's a perspective I think I've really gotten from this is I, I, I've tried to remember to love everybody. Again, I know I can be really judgy, mm-hmm. 
but I'm judgy about like people's fashion choices, <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily their life decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. Like nobody is saving themselves. Nobody is getting themselves to heaven. Like that's just not mm-hmm. an option, but everyone is being saved by the savior. Yeah. So yeah. it would make sense that that mercy is like the key in this that's the whole yeah. well, the whole plan it's a plan of mercy what do yeah. they call it the plan of mercy there's another yeah. name for it it's not yeah. just a plan of salvation it's a plan of mercy yeah, yeah. and so. we're all we're all guilty of thinking of worst case scenarios mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. really God is just a really forgiving individual yeah but we forget that because we're the ones who are we're the doomsday thinkers yeah we are mm-hmm. we are that does not mean justice will not be met. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That does not is not what I am saying in mm-hmm. any means. I just mean mercy will be shown to everybody mm-hmm. in a capacity. Yeah, this has been really interesting. I feel like there's probably way more we could talk about oh, so with much. this. Like, I feel like when I think about excommunication or what what, what are we calling it now? Uh, uh, membership with, withdrawal. Membership, membership withdrawal. withdrawal. I just see it as being very ambiguous. Like, and you'll see maybe like the high profile cases that get in the news where somebody like maybe a feminist or, you know, somebody like that was excommunicated and you think maybe that was a little bit of like harsh or societally driven. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit of like a Bishop roulette sort of situation where there's that. Yeah. It's up to like the local leadership (laughs) to make those decisions and maybe not every Bishop would make the same decision. So it seems, it feels a little bit like scary in some ways Mm -hmm. for sure. But I feel like you just even talking about it and talking about the process is helpful just to see that it's like yeah fine you know well it's been fun having you this has been really informative and it's been beautiful just to hear your story and um get to know you better so thank you yeah Yeah. thank you thank you for enlightening us yeah that's one way to put it (laughs) (laughs) yeah we appreciate you
Brian. <laughs> yeah. You mean Brian? But no, no, Logan. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. It has been funny in the ward because people don't really know. Yeah. Uh, like the Elders Corn president, whose name I just spaced. Bit. Nick Miller. Nick, Nick Miller. That's right. Uh, he came up to me the other day and he was like, "Hey, I really liked your comment, in Elders Corn. Uh, would you be interested in teaching a lesson?" And I go, "You're gonna have to ask the bishop if I can or not." Uh, uh, the answer is, "Yeah, I will." Yeah. Ask him if I can. He'll probably say no. If he says yes, let me know. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I don't know. Yeah. So. That's cool. That's exciting. 